0: Hi, this is Billy Campbell from Sci-Fi's Helix. And you are listening to Genretainment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Genretainment. Over here at Sci-FiPulseRadio.com, we're your hosts, Marks.
1: And Julie. And Genretainment is where we talk about what's happening in the world of film, TV, and web series. We give you interviews with writers, directors, producers, and actors in both independent and not-so-independent creations. Now, for today's show, we chat with German filmmaker Juan Vu about his upcoming film, The Dreamlands, which takes place in the infamous Dreamlands setting first created by classic horror author H.P. Lovecraft.
0: We learn about their Indiegogo campaign, about his past film projects, which include a film adaptation of The Color Out of Space, and a Warhammer fan film which faced some challenges.
1: Just a few. Now, you may have noticed that we have slowed down on new episodes. Part of that is Marx's upcoming book coming out in October. It's called Television on the Wild, Wild Web and How to Blaze Your Own Trail. And you can actually pre-order it right now on Amazon. Now, we've also been working on a few other projects, which has kept us pretty busy.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, before we get started with the interview, we do want to mention that the music you just heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song for our web series, Reality on Demand, a song composed and performed by our friend T. Sean Hardy. Now you can find our web series at realityondemandseries.com.
1: And now it's time to chat with filmmaker Huan Vu. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about how you, you got started in filmmaking?
2: Oh, the the beginning. Um, well, that's that's I think a kind of interesting interesting um, story because I went through many troubles because how can I say it? Um, I, I tried to make a, a very big uh, film when I was young. It was Damnatus uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand um, fan film. So that production wa- wasn't professional in any way. It was a fan film with you know a handheld uh, camcorder camera a mini dv camera so it it wasn't professional on any level but we we had the dream to make a real feature film uh, back then and uh, we tried it and uh, some way we succeeded it it became a two-hour feature length film that well in some way is halfway between a professional film and a uh, total amateurish uh, production so you you could watch it it's there are some parts that are you know not bad <laughs> not totally bad but the other thing is what i learned back then uh, was um, legal stuff uh, we had the problem that the company that is um the, the owner of the intellectual property uh, Um, Warhammer 40,000, the the manufacturer of that game. I don't know if everyone knows the game. It's a tabletop game, so you have small um, tanks and um, soldiers and creatures uh, made of plastics mm-hmm. and you fight each other on a on a tabletop and with with scenery and you you can shoot from one side to the other side and and you know it's, it's a science it's fiction game and um, a battle um, system game yeah i was a big fan still i am a big fan of that game and especially the universe behind that it's a very sinister gothic sci-fi uh, setting And, yeah, and there was no fan film. Um, I saw other guys making Star Wars and Star Trek fan films. Um, We're talking of the the 90s, uh, late late 90s. So I had the the, the wish to make something um, like that for the Warhammer 40,000 community. Um, Being a fan myself and seeing that other guys want to see uh, this interesting world brought to life as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was the plan. And soon before the ending of the production soon before completion we received uh, an email by Games Workshop, the company that we are not allowed to publish the film due to legal issues we, we talked with the, the legal guys at Games Workshop mm-hmm. and we, we couldn't find out why they really didn't want us to bring out the film there are some theories I mean one theory is that the film was too bad but uh, they told me it's not because of that they didn't didn't see the film uh, at that stage you know so it was it wasn't a judgement um on the basis of our teaser trailer or something else no um it's not about quality it was really about um legal stuff because um in germany you have a different or on continental europe you have a different um copyright uh, system than uh, in england mm-hmm. and there was no precedenting case uh, because the, the the British have a case law system, so they need um, cases to to say if something is right or wrong. And if there has never been a case like that uh, at at court, at court, um, there is some kind of a risk, I think. And in in Germany, it's not that way. You have um, a codex. You have a, a clear rules since you know the roman times and and napoleon there are clear uh, paragraphs and so you can i hope i'm telling it in the right way i hope it's not wrong what, what i'm saying but other guys told me that as well that here in Germany you have a more secure basis on, on uh, expecting if this is harmful for your company or not because there are clear uh, rules and you s- see the rules, uh, how they are laid out, so, so yeah. you know what what is happening in, in case of um, a conflict. Th- that, that's one theory. They told me that that this would be the the biggest problem in in that um, case, that there are two different um, law systems competing and not... um, not working with each other, mm-hmm. but it's not really, you know, 100% true, I would say, because there are big uh, Hollywood productions where Germans are working together with uh, American guys' uh, productions and uh, working or working in England or British people working here. So there is always the possibility to spend some money and um, make a good contract that is, is working. And we also offer them to, to sell them the rights to the film f- for a symbolic one euro, and uh, then we could publish it. Uh, I mean, I have to uh, explain that we wanted, to, we didn't want to make money with the film, mm-hmm. that was, it was planned as a film that is free to watch uh, on the internet for the fans, so we didn't want to make any um, profit out of it. Yeah, so we offered them that possibility, but they didn't uh, approach this. They didn't want to take the film, so we couldn't uh, release it. And later on, some years later, they brought out an official film called Ultramarines. That is Um, an animated um, feature film. And so there are some theories. or There's the theory that they probably (laughs) didn't want our film out because they were in talks with the com- that company about um, film rights and so on. And it was just too, too risky for them if there are some strange fans from Germany making a film <laughs> and bringing it out. So that's, that could be the truth. But I don't know. Honestly, I don't know uh, what happened back then. There's also just the theory that they were too um, conservative in their thinking because, you know, uh, some, some years uh, before that, it wasn't allowed to make Star Trek and uh, Star Wars fan films. And it was just two or three years before we made Donato's that um, George Lucas decided it's good for his brand and for the the company Lucasfilm if the fans are doing that stuff. And they turned um, 180 degrees around and they even provided on their website um, sound files Mm. to download for the fans, like, you know, the the lightsaber sound so that, that the fans can do something with it. And the only thing they say is that you don't, um, you're not allowed to make any profit out of your your fan films. You have to to release it for free, and uh, that was the spirit back then. And I thought, yeah, we can do that as well. But Games Workshop is not Lucasfilm; they are war game manuf- manufacturers, so. Perhaps the boss was just too conservative um, in his mind and didn't want something strange out on the Internet. I don't know. So, yeah, there are many, many theories, and it was, for us, emotionally a disaster since we worked on that film for few, four years.
1: Oh, uh, my goodness. We spent all,
2: all, our, all our money and, and hard work put into it and couldn't release it. So that was really uh, devastating.
1: That is very, that's, that's very sad.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But still, somehow the film came into the internet. Uh, if you are looking for it, it could be that you can find it uh, somewhere to download. I can't tell you where because I don't know if Games Workshop would <laughs> file a suit. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, they changed their policy in the last few years, I think two or three years ago. They're uh, not as 10 years ago now, or even 11 years almost. That was 2003, 2004 when we shot the film they changed their policy slightly there are I think two or three uh, new fan film projects uh, right now in production Uh, one is an animated short film the other uh, one is a real action short film and uh, both told me that so far Games Workshop is not acting against them they are some they are curious what is coming out, and perhaps they want to have a look at the final cut, and then they will perhaps approve it. So there are some change in, in their their policy and philosophy. So maybe you can revisit. And that, that's good for fans. That's good for yeah. everyone. So maybe yeah.
0: you can revisit that, and I'll let you uh, yeah, go maybe. ahead and put it up on YouTube or something without, maybe. without
1: I'll get in trouble.
0: Maybe we'll see.
1: <laughs> Here's hoping.
0: Here's hoping. I'm curious because we you know we do some filmmaking also in the U.S.
1: We know some people that do some filmmaking in England. And, yeah, and I and, and I was
0: trained in Canada. Canada, and so, but I have no idea what filmmaking is like in Germany or what the film industry is like there or independent film industry. Independent
1: film industry, yeah.
0: Do you feel like it's like? Because I don't know how much you know about the U.S. one. <laughs>
1: but, <laughs> he may not have anything to compare it. That's to. true. It's true.
2: <laughs> I didn't think that out. I think well, we here we are, we are comparing very often to to United you know, States. I mean probably everyone uh, is comparing <laughs> to the United States, especially in terms of uh, filmmaking, since you are, you know, on, on the highest level as far as we um, see it, perhaps. But I have heard that it's, sure, it's as hard as an independent filmmaker everywhere, probably. Uh, I think the problems are very different to the United States since you have very big companies. They are churning out very big, high-budget Films and so it's hard to get um, artistically interesting small films out. Um, it's quite commercial, I would say.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true.
2: Uh, and, and even the independent branch is is commercializing. Uh, Art house films and so on. Here in Germany, it's totally different, um, and that's a huge problem for, especially me. We have a film system that is based on. I try to find the the right English words for it. Um, it's it's state funded. It's not directly the state, but it's uh, it's a branch of the state that is dealing with with this. Uh, you know, cultural. Uh, I don't know how to call it. There are councils, mm-hmm. councils um, consisting of you know seven or eight or ten people. And they are quite old, um, mostly, and tending to towards you know more art house uh, like films, uh, social drama films, and they decide each year or each uh, quarter of a year uh, where all the millions of uh, euros are going. So you have to apply there and say, this is the movie I would like to make. And then if they decide uh, that this film should be made, you get to your budget an extra budget so that you can ex- actually make the film because uh, most German films are not making any profit. So that's a huge problem. And um, yeah, the, the dominance of you know, you know American films and also French films and other uh, film uh, big film nations, um, they, they make a lot of money and and german films are usually not successful and that's a big problem and i say it's also oh, it's yeah it's a very complex (laughs) situation but one thing that is clearly not working here is that um, because of this system that the state um, the government in in some way is deciding which films are worthy to produce and it's usually you know films that are and i don't i like those films it's not bad but it's a monoculture um mm. if you only make films about you know social issues about you know immigrants feminism themes uh, about equality and so on or, or, or other other stuff or just comedies it's it's not enough uh, the films i would like to make are fantasy horror or science fiction films and this is something that is almost abandoned here in germany since um the second world war um you know the, the 20s the golden um 20s, um, many German filmmakers fled um, because of the Nazis. Yes. They, g- they they went to Hollywood, and they in- invented some of the genres that we are uh, having till this day. Um, one of the first science fiction films uh, was was a German film uh, or adventure movies in, in kind of way like Indiana Jones you know it's it's the 20s so you can't compare it but it was the first adventure film with uh, fantastic uh, settings and scenery and so on and and um, and a hero it was made here in Germany in the 20s so that um, heritage is, is lost and due to the historic events and political events here and I, I can i kind of understand it um, that the Germans here developed in that way that that for a long time they wanted to see films that are very realistic in some way um and dealing with um yeah yeah i quote real problems you know what i mean um mm-hmm. stuff that is happening in the real life and not not fantastic things, but I think it's also not a very it's not a you shouldn't go that way only because again it's a it's some kind of a monoculture the the big strength of genre films like horror fantasy and science fiction is that you can deal with political and social issues but not at the front Mm -hmm. rows Uh, you you have to put it into in between the lines Mm -hmm. Uh, do you know what what i mean yes more Uh, abstract but yeah it's more abstract and you can lure people in to to see a science fiction film and perhaps they are going because of the spaceships and the space battles but in your story and in what is happening you can deal with um, inequality for Mm -hmm. example or other social issues and so that's the the power and the strength Uh, it's it's subversive and also what's really important about uh, genre films is that they in some way or often are quite maverick and they are not following order, they are quite chaotic sometimes, especially horror films. They are very uh, raw uh, in their emotional um, basis. I mean, we compare it here in Germany with the typical German crime drama. That is something that's happening on television and many, many Germans love it and, and watch it on each second Sunday. Spend their time and watch really yeah, it's not that bad, but most of them <laughs> are really bad. And it's, it's a normal crime story. And that's something that, that uh, is discussed here at the moment in, in, in uh, newspapers and on television and, and so on. That somehow this is typical for the German society. Because uh, you watch a crime um, drama film, or it's, it's a series, and it's about uh, a criminal or murderer. And then you have the good guy, he's a cop. And mostly he has some issues at home, and some personal stuff, but he's still, you know, symbolizing the government and order, a social order. And he's going into this case and he's trying to find out who is the murderer. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a usual it story. And then at the end of the film, he usually finds out this is the murderer and restores order. And this is something that is quite typical mm-hmm. for for um, the German uh, film. Uh, Culture right now, and we are discussing why are we doing and creating such such boring stuff all the time. I mean, yeah, some some people like it, but probably they watch it because there's nothing else, uh, (laughs) nothing better. Or those who know where to go, watch you know American series, which are ten times better, like True Detective now or. uh, Breaking Bad and, and so on. And that's all, you know, all the series right now, uh, modern series are much darker. They are dealing with darker stuff. It's not about restoring order, yeah. it's it's questioning order, it's questioning authority, and so on. And so, this is something that, that I think should change um, soon here in Germany as well.
1: And I think you're right. I think with genre, and I've always liked that about science fiction, is that it's often a safe way to to have social commentary because instead of having it right in your face this is how it is right now and we're going to discuss it you can put it in a different context and maybe someone will see it in a different way when you take it out of the modern realistic setting yeah yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. and you know it's it's feeding your brain in some way that's why we, we all love fantasy science fiction and, and so on because we want to see different worlds different uh, visions mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's fantasy, so it's it's um, it's it's creative uh, for your for for your mind. And there was for a long time. I mean, it's a very very complex issue. So um, it's also some kind of part of. It was always the part of German culture. I made some research about it because you know um, I have to deal with this problem and, and the other guys here in Germany who want to make such films as, as well. Uh, it, it began you know long before of um, the the first World War. Um, one problem in Germany is that. There wasn't a United Nation for a long time. Um, Germany came together in the late um, 19th century and was dominated by the Prussians. It was the biggest um, state of all the German states, and the Prussians had a very author- authoritarian uh, culture. I mean, you know it. Yeah. It's some kind of uh, yeah. You see it in in films and so on. You know the uh, the first World War German soldiers with their funny. Um, pointy <laughs> helmet and so on, yeah Prussians, very strict, very um orderly and and um with a strong authoritarian government, and so on and back then it's the same story again, um there were many, many German writers like Jules Verne who wrote about science fiction who who wrote about um, spaceships and about fantastic things happening uh, and those th- those authors were opposed by the government because um, the government thought this is crap. This is not, this is, yeah, that's the other part of the story because uh, the German identity back then was very strongly connected to the, the, the big poets of the 17th uh, and 18th century, you know, Goethe, Schiller and so on. And this this was the thing that united the Germans, uh, the, the same language and the same culture. There were these icons of culture, uh, you know, in each city here or town here there was a statue of of Schiller and of Goethe and each year there was a celebration of his birthday and you know the the funny thing is many people most people didn't know anything about those guys they didn't read haven't read the books They just knew some famous lines or some um, summaries of of some stories uh, they have written and they were heroes they were German heroes they were idealistic heroes like for you in America George Washington, for example, or, or Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Germany, it, it was poets. It was um, drama poets. And the problem was uh, then other guys came and wrote different stuff. They wrote dark stuff. They wrote things, uh, stories about monsters and ghosts and, and supernatural happenings and so on. You know, such stories like H.P. Lovecraft did. And um, or, yeah, some preceding um, stories. Uh, f- I don't know if you know him, E.T.A. Hoffmann. is is quite uh, well known for being one of the first um, darker gothic-like writers, mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he's, he's quite well, well known here in Germany, he's yeah one of uh, the few, and yeah, the Prussian government back then thought it was crap, so it's not good for the children. For <laughs> they really burned the books and you know the burning of the books is something that is happening here in Germany (laughs) has happened for a long time and and that that is something that I I saw in my research and that that is happening back then and so it's not only about the Nazis it's it's some kind of uh, genetic code that, that existed before it the whole authoritarian thing I mean the Nazis didn't spring out of any some cave or so you don't know how to say it but there was some kind of the foundation Culture, um, was there before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some basis for this, and that uh, a difficult thing now is for us, the newer generation here now in uh, 2014, is to see that after the Second World War there was a turnaround that that all people tried to be very democratic and very, uh, very um, not authoritarian, but in, in a strange way. By this, they became authoritarian again. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, I think it was it was the right thing back then. It was just uh, 10 years after the Second World War. So they had to watch out for um, fascist uh, roots in, in the society and have to pull it out. So they made the, the television and film system here in Germany uh, the way that, for example, um, yeah, that that there is a, some kind of a mission there. You have to educate the people about democracy and freedom and so on. And this is this is all good. Yeah. And that's why we are making so many films about you know social issues and <laughs> and realistic stuff and and art house films. That's what where it's coming from. And I think it's not bad the way it was it was planned. But now, yeah, it's it's, it's been a long time now. Need some and variety. I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need some variety. I think the German. Germany today is very liberal and very democratic and let's hope it it won't happen anytime again, um, never again. So uh, I think you can be some way more uh, relaxing now and shouldn't think that if you switch off some of those television uh, programs uh, that right. everyone here is, is w- voting for, for national socialism or ra- ra- racism, racism again. So I think, yeah, we need some some um, some cultural freedom mm-hmm. yeah. more.
0: So you mentioned Lovecraft, and uh, I'm just kind of curious how you went from uh, Warhammer to to Lovecraft, because you have a Lovecraft movie we're gonna talk about shortly here, the Dreamlands, Project uh, it's
1: coming up, but you also uh, did uh, *Di Farba*,
0: which was an adaptation yeah. of *The Color of Space*. It was released in 2010.
1: Yeah.
0: So tell us a little bit about your love of Lovecraft and, and what took you there. To start working on
2: that. Yeah, well, after Damnatus, um and the, the mm-hmm. devastating uh, results, I wanted to continue um, to make a film because I couldn't release that first film, so there shouldn't be, should be another um, project soon. And back then I was studying at the um, University of Media here in Stuttgart, right. so I was also learning uh, new stuff and, and meeting um, other guys. Uh, who who would like to to uh, become part of a film project? And there was one guy. He became a friend a friend of mine. Um, Jan wrote. He is a 3D artist and he also helped with Donatos back then. And he's a big HP Lovecraft fan. And he was the one who, who gave me some books and told me to read it. Uh, it could something that I could like. And yeah, I fell in love with it. I, I just loved the the um, the whole the whole atmosphere and and, and the way he made. His stories. I would say, I wouldn't say it's. He, he did. He isn't writing very good stories, but he has some unique ideas. I mean, it's some kind of way um, similar with um, J.R. Tolkien. I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan as well, mm-hmm. and I, I would say Tolkien isn't a really good writer, uh, but he has very, very unique and strong ideas. Can't compare it with modern writers. Uh, it's it's not very easy to read lo- Lord yeah. of the Rings. <laughs> And the same thing with H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, it's it's very old as well, but I loved it, and I saw the many, I saw many elements in other um, things that I I liked, and uh, at that moment I realized where it all came from, and that was a revelation for me to see, okay, th- everything came from this guy, or, or many things, like um, take some some TV series, um, for example, X-Files, um, there are some episodes that uh, I think clearly are uh, influenced by H.P. Lovecraft, and um, uh, computer games, uh, and, and so on, and so yeah, uh, I really loved the stories, and there was one that was sticking out, and that was the color of space. So I talked uh, with the about it, and we had, we were um, almost um, um, completing our studies, so we needed to find uh, our final exam work something, a topic for our finals, final exams. And uh, there was the idea to make a, uh, a film. And so I talked with him about the color of space. What about this story? And we soon had the idea to make the film in black and white and put the color in for the creature that is called the color. And we saw that no one else approached the story in that way. So we knew this, is, this makes sense. We should do this. And um, yeah, so we did it we did it without the university by the way because uh, it it grew very big the the film project and we couldn't do it with the university um, it took us three years to to complete that film yeah. okay. we shot it in 2008 and it was released 2010 yeah with screenplay writing it's three years uh, yeah it just took too much time um we couldn't have spent so much time on our final final exam so we uh, (laughs) had to write that before it and then went the longest final exam ever (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) well that was mark's his first uh short film that he directed was going to be a student film but it he ended up not making it there and we made it because it was just it became too big and and you know too detailed and to be Mm. able to do for a student film yeah so we understand that
0: mm. and that did well it, did, it had a lot of awards
1: yeah
2: um yeah that was relieving for me because you know after Donatos that uh disappeared somewhere on some um, <laughs> dubious uh websites russian uh, torrent websites and so on uh, <laughs> in, in, look in for russian websites really... <laughs> <laughs> look for the russians <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah and, th- and this this time I could release it probably probably and and yeah between, between Donatus and De Farbe I have learned much about filmmaking and uh, it, it's it's much pro- more professional with professional actors that's very important um because Damatos was filmed you know eighty percent of the cast are friends of mine so it's <laughs> you can you can yeah you can't expect very good acting um, from them but they they tried hard and it was it was it was good it was yeah back then it was it was awesome what what they uh, were capable of so mm-hmm. i'm, I'm I'm also proud of what we did but you know you can't really compare it with a professional actor who has learned it and and, and practiced and trained it for a long time and has just yeah the, the talent to to do it yeah. and yeah that was the father and it was uh, very well received especially by the lovecraft fans because it's quite close to the, the original story that was important for us as well since we saw that many films out there that have, have the label H.P. Lovecraft on it are just using this name and um, they make something totally different out of it. Um, many films are, are gory, special effects heavy, um, creature films or, or uh, splatter films, yeah. Um, and I would say the most parts of H.P. Um, Lovecraft's works are living from atmospheric uh, and very, in some way, Intellectual fears. Not, I, I'm always saying that the usual horror films are. It's it's a fear fear that is um, connected to your body. I don't know how to say it. It's it's fear that is immediately. It's it's like um, there's a murderer and he wants to kill you. It's it's about your corpse, uh, your body that is that is tortured and destroyed. It's about your your existence as a. It's about your your, your life, your it, body. It seems to be more
0: psychological and philosophical. Type yeah. Horror. I guess.
2: Yeah, and H.P. Lovecraft is is more like an existential fear. It's not about you and your body and your your life. It's about the whole cosmos. It's about uh, humanity. And it's about our insignificance and it's about that there's nothing out there it's it's a cold universe and it's probably even an enemy you know there are enemy gods who don't care about us creatures and they (laughs) want to kill us or they don't care at all about us and they are totally powerful and we are nothing so this is much more as as i said it's more philosophical and it's dealing with an existential fear about us as humans, and not about yeah that pretty girl that is uh, chased by the murderer on the screen. I mean these are good films. I can watch them, but it's not Lovecraft. That's not it's not about that.
1: Yeah, Lovecraft was a very uplifting guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're feel good movies, aren't they're they? They're fi- they're they're the, the
1: fail good family film of the year. <laughs> uh,
0: um, so when writing this adaptation of The Color Out of Space, you know it's it's a challenge to adapt adapt any kind of uh you know prose work but also you know a short film or excuse me a short story Short story. so how did you decide to approach that structure wise in your script
2: um with the color of space mm-hmm. well um it was important for us to stay very close to it but we, we knew that we couldn't do it just technically or, or how, do, how do we have to say it um in terms of production um organization because the the um One thing is the time, for example, Um, the original story is happening, I think, in 1890-something, or 1890s. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, long before the First World War, it's uh, really the time when people didn't have cars and and so on. And I knew from another film project um, that I wanted to make. I wanted to make a film about the German Revolution of 1848 and 49. Mm have some Americans, some of your um, audience know know it, um, many Germans back then tried to um, to overthrow the king and establish a united Germany, and again, that's an issue, mm-hmm. and um, a democratic uh, Germany, and they lost the revolution, and many fled to the United States. Yeah. Uh, they, are the, they are the so-called 48ers. And made career in the United States and, and, and helped um, with yeah also political issues uh, like uh, you know in your Civil War many I think most of the Germans fought for the, the Northern um, states mm-hmm. because of um, a more liberal political um, philosophy mm-hmm. uh, in in the Union. Yeah, I wanted to make a film about that, but I realized that it is very very complicated because of you need know, you need know, other costumes. They have to be spot on of that um, time of period. And that's very, very uh, expensive. And you need also the shooting locations. You need, you need uh, houses and streets that look like 18-something. And that's really diff- uh, difficult since uh, Germany has seen two devastating world wars. Since then, <laughs> there, there are the wars and there's the progress, you know, like people building new homes and new stuff, but also the wars that destroyed everything. And so it's also very uh, difficult to find uh, cloths and, and, and um props uh, and furniture from that time. It's if you find it it's really expensive because yeah. it's uh, unique. Um yeah, you don't have it don't many pieces um left. So I knew f- because of that experience that we couldn't make the color to space um at the same time of the original uh, story. So we had to pull it into um more towards, uh the, the the nowadays and um I think also it's it's good for the story. That was the second thing I thought about it. Um, that it's good for the story. That it's closer in terms of the fear, the goosebumps you get if you hear that. Oh, there was the color, and it uh, it could be still there in that lake, in the woods out there. If that was happening, you know, sixty or seventy years ago, that's too far away. If this, uh, if the uh, the dam was built thirty years ago or forty years ago. Like we told you in our uh, film adaptation, we told you that the, the dam was built in 1970, so it's yeah 40 years ago. So I think the threat is 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 is, um, is, is bigger there. Yeah. If you think about it, because yeah, if if it's uh, such an old lake, uh, someone would have uh, found something about it. Uh, <laughs> in all, yeah, in all the centuries. But if it's only 30 or 40 years ago, yeah, well, there could be something in it that someone um, haven't. Um, seen yet yeah haven't no, not noticed yet so yeah that was yeah there are many many uh, thoughts went into this the the screenplay writing process and we still wanted to have something happening in new england to have something that is connecting to um the roots to H. P. lovecraft's um homeland okay. and so we decided to make um a small story outside of the usual story of the the original story and that is if you've seen the film um That um, an American soldier who has been here in Germany after the Second World War was part of the occupation. He was uh, stationed uh, soldier in the occupation zone, and that he saw something here, and then as an old man in the seventies, suddenly is disappearing, and his son is searching for him. Mm -hmm. So his son is going from New England. To Germany, and then everything develops there, and there he meets a strange old guy, and that old guy is telling him what happened uh, back then, after the Second World War, and we see the whole story. That is the color of space. Yeah, so that was the approach. Um, we just did it because we felt it. It's, it's a nice um, gesture towards the origin, uh, H. P. Lovecraft, mm-hmm. United States, and also I had that one image from the beginning in my head. You know, in the original story there are some policemen, I think, who are dr- driving towards Emmy Pierce's farm and towards uh, the, the well, and um, they try to find out what what is happening there, and then they are fleeing because the color is coming out of the well, and since I knew I w- would have to push it towards our time, uh, some centuries towards our time, and yeah, there's the Second World War here in, in Germany, And I wanted to connect it, and I had that image of American soldiers, GIs, running away from the color out of space, Mm -hmm. uh, from the well. That was an image that was very strong, and I wanted to have it. And yeah, you can discuss about it. What what is there's perhaps some some um, something in between the lines again. What we uh, talked about. before, you know, what what's the strength of a genre film because you can deal with things without talking about it. Yeah. And especially I think the German audience here, um, one thing is they haven't seen a film like this for centuries. Um, this is very special. Um, such a such a film that is science fiction and horror, but not the usual heads of horror and not the usual space science fiction thing. It's, it's H. P. Lovecraft. It's very special, and they also saw the imagery with you know old German homes. And you have um, the storyline with a German soldier coming home and the U- United, uh, G- US GIs and with this strange thing happening in the valley and uh, no one is talking about it. Uh, the people there who left there are shunned and so on. So you can find some something that, that is dealing with stuff that is happening here in this land, uh, in this country. Um, but I don't want to put it into the foreground. You know, I'm I'm just talking about it. It's there are some traces there. There are some things we could work with and that are connecting. But it's not what it's about. Yeah. You know, the color respect is not about the Third Reich, but we can play with with some elements. And I think it it it's, it has made the films even stronger. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. I mean, if someone is doing a um, a one-to-one original adaptation of Uh, The Color of Space that is happening in in Massachusetts, uh, I'm fine with it. Uh, It could be a very strong film. But I think we added some nice little elements to to the story. Um, And I think adaptation is about that, that you shouldn't try to make something one-to-one. You should try to put something new in it without changing it. Um, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, adding something to it, something personal or something from your culture or your your yeah your background.
1: Well, and I like the idea of you know the the son looking for the father. That element I think just adds another layer to it, and I think it makes it seem more personal because you know you might have a hard time imagining some of the more you know. Other elements like a color out of space and things like that, but anyone can really relate to, you know, desperately trying to find someone that they love, you know, a relative, a parent, a child. You know, I mean, I think that that kind of makes it feel more personal as a story.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that yeah at least least we tried it. I mean, there was also some um, concern that it's not strong enough that we should we should leave it and and don't do it. Um, And yeah, if I look back at that film, perhaps I would. Something, some things differently now and try to put even more emotion to it because, you know, the Lovecraft fans love the film, but we got some, um, yeah, not totally negative feedback, but uh, I would say that people who aren't familiar with Lovecraft and who, who are not fans of his work, um, they have more problems with uh, Defarbe, <laughs> uh, the film, since... Yeah, it's very bleak and it's not very emotional. You don't have a hero, for example. I mean, we tried to do it with the son who's searching for his father, but he's only appearing at the beginning and, and at the end. And in the middle part, uh, which is the original story, The Color of Space, mm-hmm. um, there's uh, no hero. It's just uh, we, well, we are seeing what is happening back there. And if you are a Lovecraft fan, you won't notice yeah, that you a, it. Yeah, you get it. Yeah yeah because in most of the the stories of Lovecraft, there is a protagonist, but he's not a hero in in a way he's just a witness a witness of uh, dark and uh, sinister and evil stuff that is um, just happening he's just realizing things that are pure cosmic existential uh, fears and horror so this is not the usual story that people are expecting who are not familiar with it so yeah perhaps i would try to make it differently but perhaps not i don't know it wasn't an experiment we wanted to make the film for the fans and if i can switch over to the Dreamlands now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this answer. is this is the new project. Yeah. And now that was our, I think...
1: our our next question was please tell us about <laughs> ah, the Dreamlands perfect. and your Indiegogo campaign.
2: Ah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, and there there's a different approach now because one thing is that we are not um, adapting a particular particular story. So it's not like this is the Dreamcrest for Unknown Kadath and this is the film adaptation of that story. No, it's I take some, a bunch of stories that I really like and love that are dealing with the dreamlands and I pull out um, elements and topics and mix it all together into a new structure, into a new story and this time because I can write a new story with, with new characters and Uh, much more free Mm -hmm. even as a fan because i am a fan and i want to stay true to lovecraft but this time i can play around and i think it's also in in some way um i hope so that that hb lovecraft would have liked it because i think in his letters he he has written that he wants he wants other he wants other writers and so on to to um to to play with what he has um, done with uh, his universe. He uh, told his friends who have been um, writers and authors as well that they could take his, his stuff and, and make something else out of it. And I think the Dreamlands are inviting to do that because the, the Dreamlands, are they are a world that is always evolving and, and different. And, and if I make a film about the Dreamlands, it's not that... The dreamlands have to be this way there can be another film by another guy who's showing a totally different dreamlands and no one can say which is the, the right one because it's the dreamlands you know um it's it's different in e- each mind and it's different um from each perspective because there's no solid totally so- solid structure there and everything is happening there that can everything can happen in the dreamland so you can really be inventive and creative and and uh, make something new out of what hb lovecraft has already r- written i think and i hope that um the fans will think uh, the same way and yeah that's a difference now to uh, in comparison to Die Farbe, um or the color of space that now i can open it up and and make something and that was um why i swish- switched over this film now i hope so is appealing to the fans Um, very strongly but also I hope so that's the plan Uh, it's an expensive movie it's a big movie so it has to also appeal to you know more the the common people the the mainstream audience as well people that like fantasy films and don't have any connection yet uh, with uh, H.P. Lovecraft but they could be interested to see this fantasy dark fantasy film I think that the script and the story um, is appealing for for those people Mm -hmm. now as well Whereas I would be cautious with uh, the father and the mm-hmm. color of space.
1: Now, for someone who doesn't know anything about the Dreamlands, could you please explain a little bit about what that movie is about?
2: Um, do you mean the, the story? The story, or... yeah.
0: Well, I would, also, I would also say, what is the Dreamlands? Yeah. It's not Middle Earth. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's not Middle Earth. Um, um, yeah, to, to explain the world um, at first is that Um, and that is taken out of uh, H.P. Lovecraft's ideas, that there is a world that is created in sleep. So there are people who are dreaming, and collectively perhaps they are creating a world. Some, most people just see a glimpse of it. It's a fantastic, beautiful and so on uh, world, but there are some great dreamers, people who are very imaginative or very special in their ways of thinking, Um, probably artists and not politicians, I don't know. great dreamers who have created this world. And this world became, because um, they are so good in it and, uh, and, and yeah, strong, um, that this world became somehow solid so they can can decide to go there instantly while they are sleeping. So it's like a clear dream, I think it's called in English, clear, clear dreaming. Uh,
1: lucid dreaming?
2: Ah, lucid dreaming, yeah, sure. Lucid dream. yeah, that's German, clear dream. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's lucid dreaming, and I think that's also dealing with this. I, I don't know if H.P. Uh, Lovecraft has made some research about lucid dreaming or not, or if he had lucid dreams, um, I, I don't know. But I think it's playing with this topic. And so, yeah, we have some special people, the great dreamers, who can go there. And um, if you have read the stories, sort of, sort of Vice, for example, is one of those stories where there's an old man and he's poor here in this world, and he has no one. It's a very emotional story. That's why it, um, I like this story very, very much, and it's one of the most important stories for the Dreamless for the film, um, because there you have some kind of human emotion, and that's um, seldom seen in in H. P. Lovecraft's stories because I really felt for this old man and he's dying here in this, he's lonely in, in our world, in our reality, but, um, it chance to be that he is a King in the dreamlands and he could, could live there forever and, uh, and be there forever because time is running in different ways there. And that's really emotional, I think. And that's what, what will be in the dreamlands, the film as well. Uh, yeah. So that, that's, that's uh, one of the main topics. Um, um, yeah, that, that we have an old man, and uh, he is, I can tell it, the king, a uh, king, the king uh, of the dreamlands. Mm-hmm. And this guy, this old man, is um, he, he meets uh, an orphan, a young, a young, a young man, a young guy, a young boy. No, no not young boy. He's um, fifty years old, so a teenager. Yeah, a teenager, teenager boy. Um, and that that boy has uh, many issues, Um, yeah, he's very lonely and um, is uh, mobbed by the other guys in the the orphan school and um, there's something that the old man sees in that young guy and he takes him to the dreamlands and wants to test him if he could be his successor because he needs to find a successor Mm -hmm. um, to be the next uh, king uh, of and Um, then there will be some conflicts and um, I don't want to give away too much, but then it's about um, that young guy has to decide if he wants to uh, continue the tradition or if he wants to decide for the other side. There is an antagonist in in the story as well that wants to, it's a creature, it's an entity. I don't want to, give away too much, but that um, antagonist wants to destroy the dreamlands because it's a creation of of humans. Uh, It's some kind of a solid structure brought into pure chaos. And yeah, that's one of the main topics of the film.
1: Hmm, Interesting.
0: Sounds good. And you don't have to spoil it by saying specifics, but are any of the creatures or the things that we know of in the dreamlands from the stories, are any of them going to make an appearance?
2: Well, that's something I would love to do but it depends on the budget, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the thing is that people shouldn't expect from us since we are not um, a Hollywood studio with with uh, 50 million dollars or something or, or even more. Um, I mean, even even uh, Guillermo del Toro couldn't get a green light for At the Mounts of Madness because he wanted 150 million um millions I think. Wow. He, he yeah, he was shot before starting a shooting in Alaska. Um, And so on, and and I think the executives didn't think that a film that is probably uh, how is it called PG 17, PG, PG 13. Oh,
1: PG 13.
2: Or rated R. Or rated R. Yeah, rated R. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Sorry, rated R. Uh, Probably rated R. And uh, there's no female in it, and no love story. It's all about monsters in the Antarctica. You know. (laughs) Um, Yeah. um, So we don't have that much uh, budget. Far from it. Um, So we can't do two fantastic stuff we want to try to we we will try to bring some creatures in it Um, for example there's um, the Shantak bird perhaps you've heard of it Uh it's some kind of uh, very creepy big um, like a bat but it has uh, the head of a horse horse like head Uh I don't know if we would um, give it really a horse like uh, like head because uh, I don't know if it yeah, it depends on the, the, the design process. Yeah. we, we th- This is a good example because we we try to stick close to what H.P. Lovecraft has written, but horse-like head can be can be something that is not really a horse, can be something else. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's a dreamland. So our Shantak bird doesn't have to be that close to his description because that was the Shantag bird in that story. The Shantag bird in, in our dreamlands could be totally different. And I think it's also um, interesting to do it. To have some new ideas, what a shantak bird could be, and yeah, that's one thing we would like to bring into it because the shantak birds, they are some kind of a um, transportation. Um, how's it called? Um, yeah, a, a creature you can ride, so you can fly with it mm-hmm. from one point to the other, and yeah, that would be something that would be really nice to have in the film.
1: Everybody should have one of those for transport. You know, <laughs> I, that sounds fun.
2: They're creepy. They're
1: creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, the horse head makes it sound kind of cute.
0: It could, yeah. <laughs> are there unicorn ones? <laughs> yes, there <laughs> you I mean, go.
1: And, and
2: most artists, I think they um to they give it a horse skull, so without flesh.
1: Oh well, so that they, would be true to
2: the words. It's a horse-like head, but it's very creepy because it doesn't have um okay, any. Okay. That flesh yeah, to it.
1: that would be creepier because really horses are cute, so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the
2: problem. Yeah, so I think we will, yeah if we do a Shantak bird. Perhaps we will depart from that. Yeah, because um,
1: most people yeah. look at a horse and go, oh, how pretty.
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> so how much money are you looking for for the Indiegogo campaign?
2: Yeah, the campaign is aiming towards 200,000 euro. So it's really a lot of money. It's really much. But as, t- as talked about, it's a really big story. So we need at least some kind of uh, decent budget to do this. Uh-huh. It's not. Uh, it's not a short film. It's a full feature. So we have to make, you know, props and costumes and find locations that are fitting into the style of the film. And um, we want to travel here in, in Europe and, and try to, think, to, to film, for example, in Iceland. Iceland is very, um, many, many Hollywood films are made there right now. Um, it's a shooting location that is really, um, how's it called? Yeah, uh, people like to, to, to shoot there because you have the glaciers there and you have vo- volcanoes and uh the the black the um black sand um uh-huh. black deserts uh, ash deserts and you can't find it anywhere uh, and uh it's also not not far away just a couple of hours um of flight and so that's one dream we have to go there and shoot not the whole film there that would be much too expensive and much too complicated but some scenes um uh, like for example the plateau of Leng, if if you know what I mean, is is a is a plateau in the Dreamlands that is very dark and creepy and eerie. And I think that Iceland could be the right canvas. Oh, yeah. For, think, yeah.
1: Okay, it looks like um it would be close to about two hundred and eighty thousand dollars.
2: Ah, thanks. Yeah, okay. around
1: two well, two seventy seven thousand okay. dollars American. So
2: yeah. Sorry, and I just I, want to I, give a reference for the American it, listeners. It's final budget. I mean, we are it's not sure that it would happen, but we talked about it how German filmmaking here is working, the film system. So we will apply for um governmental funding afterwards. Right. Um this is quite unusual, but I think it's not working the other way around because I we, we just talked about the issues here. And I don't think that um um the people here would decide to give us um, the money to make this film. Um, since it's a genre film, it's fantasy and they probably wouldn't believe that this would, would, would turn out into something that is, that is great and awesome. I don't know. I made some um, experiences here in, in talks with uh, such people and it's not like they embrace um, fantasy, horror and science fiction and so on. They think, the Americans should do that. The Americans are good at, with it uh, and they are the best. Um, um, and, and that's true. I mean, you are the best uh, in terms of genre filmmaking. I mean, that's the highest level where you can get um, to make something in Hollywood. But still, I think that as an independent filmmaker, you can do something differently and that what we already talked about, about it, um, the, the cultural stuff. If, if I make a film here in Germany, by accident or um, not by accident, there will some elements going into this film um, that, are, that are coming from here. You know what I mean from the history here, from the from the culture here, mm-hmm. uh, or from the language. Um, some things. Uh, it won't be 100% American, even if I would take, like we did with The Cut of the Space, an uh, American um, story of an American author. We put something to it. We we, we add some things, uh, some things to it. And that's why I think there should be some fantasy, science fiction and horror films um, that are made in Germany as well. Sure. Yeah. So And that's what we will tell them after a successful campaign because then I can tell them, look, there are so many people that want to see this film. I got 200,000 euro um, or perhaps even more. I don't know um, if we get there. And then I can apply for extra funding um, to add on that budget to have even more to make um, an even better film. So that's the plan right
1: now. I think that's great. You know, just because American... Filmmakers are doing a lot of genre stuff. There's, I mean, there's no reason to discourage anyone else from doing it because it would be, it would be different. It would be a different perspective, and, and there's no reason that someone in Germany can't do it as well or better than someone well, in and America. Be a perspective,
0: different culture yeah. too. So
2: yeah it probably wouldn't be that commercial as well, because you know the mo- most of the big science fiction films are made by the big studios yeah. and they are some kind of streamlined and mainstream i mean if you look at science fiction films in the seventies or so on, they are different and they they have a different quality and I think we should try to get in some way back to that to that time where there was more um, artistic freedom. Uh, and you can do this with a smaller science fiction film i know if you have a 100 million dollar film you can't be that free um you have to stick to some rules and and try to um make it accessible for for everyone um for the whole family you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah if we talk about lovecraft um and that's uh, i think that's a uh, an issue for for Hollywood and why there are no big uh, Lovecraft adaptations because it is Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to translate it and to make it into something that is working for a really big audience. And so I think we can step in, in into this um, breach here and 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 try to make something that those guys wouldn't do it. They would do, wouldn't do such a film like The Dreamlands probably. Mm-hmm. Not this not in the way that I would like to do it they would make it into some generic fantasy thing with many um, creatures and uh, action scenes <laughs> and a lust, a big uh, yeah, cheesy love story perhaps. And I don't know, something else. They would, wouldn't would um, stay true to the core, mm-hmm. probably. So
0: this campaign uh, at the time of this episode premiering is currently live and it goes till May 31st, I believe. And um, so if you're listening, you know, please check it out on IndieGoGo. Mm-hmm.
2: Please mm-hmm. contribute or, sh- or at least share and you have some cool Yeah, at least share it i mean if you can't contribute um i can understand it um, not everyone everyone has a lot of money uh, in the pocket to-, to throw out to some crazy german um director <laughs> um at least at least talk about it and and, and share it and perhaps someone, someone else will step in and and, uh, and, and contribute okay. so you, you, you never know even people that uh, not that familiar with uh, Lovecraft or, or fantasy or science fiction or horror at all. Perhaps they just like it that that someone out there is doing this, um, trying to make something in a different way. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And like a 20 euro, you can get a Blu-ray or two-disc DVD of the movie. And yeah. So I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty a good very amount. good
1: uh, incentive.
0: Yeah. So. Well, I, I wish you guys the best of luck.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: and I wish you the best of luck as well with uh, your um, own project. Uh, I think this is some kind of a, a, a new time where fans become more and more professional about filmmaking, and that we, together with the way, by the way of crowdfunding, can create something. This is what I just talked about to step into that breach between you know amateur films that are just yeah amateur films and the the big industry films and we can cater to a special audience that wants films that are not made and anymore or had never been made to make something that that is new and unique
0: This is Doug Jones from Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, Hellboy 1 and 2, Hocus Pocus, Pan's Labyrinth, and currently on Falling Skies. But today, you are listening to Genretainment.
1: Well, thanks to Juan for speaking with us. And please look for the Dreamlands on Indiegogo and contribute or share the campaign to help support their film project. Before we go, we want to remind you that you can keep track of us on our Genretainment Facebook page, Marks' Twitter account, which is at Mr. Marx. Our website at genretainment.com, or all of the shows at sci fi So
0: that's it for today's Genretainment. We'll be back soon with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series.
1: Genretainment is a production of Alien Junglebug Productions. Until, Until next, next time. time. monkey